Not so many generations ago, in that corner of the empire where Jews were permitted to settle, there lived a bright and ambitious young woman whose greatest aspiration in life was to marry a rabbi. Naturally, he would have to be a great Torah scholar, someone clearly destined for an important pulpit in one of the major cities, and where she, as the Rebbitzin, would live an enviable life of comfort and fame. At least, that was the goal. In time, as it turned out, she did marry a rabbi, a kind, pious man who loved her dearly, but who, if we're being honest, was not exactly what you'd call the finest Talmudic mind of his generation. This, of course, is no sin. After all, not every rabbi can graduate at the top of his class. In fact, it only stands to reason that some will inevitably graduate at the bottom. And with little chance for an appointment in Vilna, perhaps, or Bialystok, these rabbinic underachievers generally ended up serving in the many poor and dreary shtetls that dotted the region. Needless to say, this made her bitter. She felt she deserved better, a point she made clear to anyone who crossed her path, which is why, if we're being honest, no one other than the rabbi really liked her very much. It would be an exaggeration to say the town despised her. They just found her haughty, insensitive, and generally unpleasant to be around. Case in point, every morning she would step out into her small yard to feed the chickens, a chore she'd be quick to remind you was beneath her station as the wife of a rabbi. And when Herschel the beggar would come by, as he did most mornings, hoping for a coin or two, she never once showed him a drop of compassion, choosing to give him a piece of her mind instead. Why do you always come here looking for a handout? Maybe you should be looking for a job instead. If I had enough extra money to support you, I wouldn't be standing here in the mud tending to these chickens, now would I? Herschel shrugged and continued on his way. The Rebbitson turned back to her chickens. Stop with all the clucking already. You're giving me a headache. It's bad enough I have to be out here tending to you miserable creatures. The least you can do is show me a bit of respect. Of course, why should you be any different from everyone else in this pathetic little town? Things would be a lot different if we lived in Vilna or Bialystok. The Rebbitzin of Bialystok Lives in a big brick house With chandeliers in the hall a royal queen, always tastefully attired, universally respected and admired. Famous for her wisdom, her humility, and her sunny smile. Of course, it isn't all that hard to smile and act bright and sunny when you happen to be sitting on a pretty pile of money. But of course she deserves it, we all agree, for the many acts of kindness and charity she performs every day. 
round the clock One simply cannot praise her enough The one and only Robinson of Bialystok You know, we're remarkably alike, me and her Delicate face, classical form Both of us highly intelligent and perceptive and warm With a boundless love for every soul under the sun And of course we both married rabbis Okay, she married a smart one But otherwise It's almost like we're related by blood so why is she the one wearing diamonds? And I'm standing here feeding chickens in the mud! Get out of my way, you disgusting creatures! That does it. I simply refuse to live like this. We'll just have to go to the synagogue and insist on a raise. And of course, they'll have to approve it. I mean, we're living like paupers! It's scandalous! But trust me, you're going to see big changes around here once we get our hands on that extra money. I'll replace my tattered wardrobe that I've been wearing for years. I'll buy a brand new house, something grand with chandeliers. And everyone will respect me, and I'll be famous, you'll see. And the rabbits in a peony stock will be jealous of me. And so it was settled. That evening at dinner, she would convince her husband to ask for the much-needed raise. She knew he'd be reluctant, so she spent a good portion of the day rehearsing her presentation. When dinner time arrived, she ladled out a bowl of soup and called him to the table. Your soup is getting cold. There was no answer. Most likely, he was lost in some thorny Talmudic passage and didn't hear her. Mendel, get your head out of the book and come to the table. Coming, dearest. Mmm, something smells delicious. You are truly an amazing cook. Stop it! Stop it! Save your praises for the Lord! It's just the same old cabbage soup that we've been eating for weeks. It's all we can afford! Well, it suits me fine. And tuck your shirt in when you come to the table, though I have to remind you every night. I'm sorry, Rivkula, I forgot. And how can you be so content? It isn't right, it isn't fair, it shouldn't suit you fine. Don't you ever wish we could afford a cut of beef, or a piece of fish, or a decent glass of wine? The rabbi didn't respond. Clearly, he had something else on his mind. And stop slurping your soup! Sorry, dearest. Rivkula, I need to speak with you about something very important. Well, isn't that a coincidence? Because I also need to speak to you. I'll go first. Look, we can no longer live on the meager salary the synagogue pays you. You've been this town's rabbi for over ten years, and not once have they increased your pay. You simply must confront them and demand a substantial raise. I see. Good. Then it's settled. Tomorrow morning, you'll go and put them on notice. 
Rivkula, dear, I'm not sure I can do that. Why not? Of course you can. Don't you see? We have no choice. What I mean is, I don't think I should. Don't be silly. You're more than deserving of a raise. I'm not so sure about that. Mendel, what are you talking about? I told you I had something important to tell you. All right, what is it that's so important? Well, something happened this morning. I'm not sure I entirely understand it. I mean, I know what happened, but why? Well, that's another question entirely, and it was very peculiar. Mendel, you're rambling. Yes, dearest, you're right. I'm sorry. It's just... What? I can't bear to say it. What? Out with it already. I no longer believe in God! Excuse me? I don't believe in God. That's ridiculous. You're a rabbi. I know. So, of course you believe in God. Well, I did, but now I don't. I was looking out the window at your chickens who were wandering around the yard clucking. They seemed so aimless, so lost, and that's when it hit me. There is no God. Wait a minute. When did you say this happened? This morning. What time? I don't know. Around 8.30. Hmm. So, let me get this straight. At 8.15, correct me if I'm wrong. You still believed in God. That's right. And at 8.20. Yes. And at 8.25. Yes. But by 8.30, you had lost your faith. I can tell you don't believe me. Let's just say, it sounds a bit odd. But it's the truth. Well, I'm sure you'll get it back. But what if I don't? You will. How do you know? Listen, Mendel, we have bigger problems at the moment. You need to be planning what you're going to tell the synagogue board tomorrow. But Rivkula... What now? How exactly does a rabbi who doesn't believe in God ask for a raise? You're serious, aren't you? Of course I'm serious. Well, don't worry. The subject will never come up. Trust me. How do you know? When was the last time anyone asked if you believed in God? I don't know, but what if they do ask? What then? Then lie! What? That's all you have to do! What are you saying? You lie! That's it! I don't know. I'm not sure I could. Take your time. Weigh the facts. Decide what's true. Well, at least that sounds reasonable. Then simply say the opposite. You make it sound so easy. It is easy. And please don't make it out to be some awful crime. For let's be honest, we do it all the time. That's a terrible thing to say. Mendel, I think there's something you don't understand. A lie is not a bad thing. It's a crucial part of life. Where would we be, quite honestly, if a woman couldn't lie to her husband or a man to his wife? But why would a man want to lie to his wife? Where would we be if a spinster who's 30 couldn't lie and say she's 25? Where would we be? I don't know, but I guarantee civilization would never survive. Rivkula, don't get angry, but I'm afraid I simply can't go through with this. Mendel, look at me and listen carefully. You will ask for that raise. You know we're barely scraping by. And so given the stakes, if lying's what it takes, then you will lie. No! Yes, Mendel, you will lie. 
thought you didn't believe in God. I don't anymore. So what's the problem? The next morning, the Rebbitson drilled her husband one last time on exactly what to say to the synagogue board. Then she walked him to the door and with one final piece of advice, sent him on his way. Mendel! Yes, dear? Tuck in your shirt! Yes, dear. And off he went. The Rebbitson was more than happy. She was positively giddy. For when he returned, she knew their problems would be a thing of the past. Until then, she busied herself with various chores, darning a pair of his socks, cleaning out the fireplace. She even slipped into a little dance while sweeping the floor. Life is quite bearable, she mused, when something good is about to happen. But why was it taking so long? It felt like an eternity, even though she knew it couldn't have been more than an hour since he left. Finally, she heard the front door opening. She rushed to greet him. So, you're back. The rabbi smiled slightly and slumped into a chair. I, uh, darned your socks while you were out. Thank you, Rivkala. I truly appreciate that. I don't deserve your kindness. And I swept the floor. He glanced down and tried to muster some enthusiasm for what seemed to be notably less dirt beneath his feet. Finally, she could bear it no longer. Mendel! How did it go? Did you meet with them? Yes. Yes, dear, I did. And? They seemed to understand the situation. Really? I think so. Yes, I'm fairly sure. Oh, Mendel, that's wonderful. And? And? That's that. What do you mean? I'm confused. Did they give you a raise? A raise? No, they most definitely didn't give me a raise. But why not? You said they understood. Mendel, what did you tell them? Rivkala, please don't yell at me. But I told them the truth. What? What exactly did you say? I told them I no longer believed in God, and in light of that fact, I could no longer in good conscience serve as their rabbi. No. No! Oh, this is a nightmare, a total disaster! How could this even happen? How could I be so cursed? After everything we planned and reviewed and so carefully rehearsed, there's something I think you missed, for you still insist on following your conscience. And in some effort to atone, you decide to go and quit. Well, you know what? I've had it from this point on. You're on your own. Rivkula, don't talk like that. You're scaring me. How can you be so selfish? Selfish? Now, wait. Don't even bother to disagree. During the time you spent conferring with your conscience, did you ever even once consider me? That's what I thought. How can I now walk down the street knowing that behind every door they're whispering, there goes the former Rebbitson. She's not important anymore. My life is over. I really don't think. Don't interrupt. It's true. For I have no future. Thanks to you. You disappoint me. I'm sorry to say. And now I 
step away. Rivkala? Rivkala? In all their years of marriage, the rabbi had never seen his wife this upset. Previously, she'd scold him, he'd apologize, and life would return to normal. But this time was different. This time, she swore that other than cooking his meals, she wanted nothing more to do with him. The rabbi was devastated. And the worst part of it was that she refused to speak to him. Not good morning. Not how are you. Not even a gesundheit when he sneezed. Days passed, and then weeks. Each morning, the rabbi crawled out of bed hoping today would be the day his wife's anger began to recede. But sadly, each night he'd crawl back into bed and think, well, maybe tomorrow. And yet, as hopeless as this all sounds, the rabbi did begin to notice a peculiar change in his wife's demeanor. Not towards him, unfortunately, but towards others. The Rebetzin, to everyone's amazement, appeared to be turning into a kinder, more friendly person. At first, it was nothing more than a smile at the peasant woman selling potatoes in the market or a nod of thanks to the milkman. But soon, she was visiting sick neighbors to see how they were coping. And then, just this morning, while feeding the chickens, she spotted Herschel, the beggar, coming down the street. Reb Herschel! Reb Herschel! Come here! How are you feeling? You don't look well, poor dear! Well, needless to say, the strain you must be under day after day is clearly taking a toll, I fear. But all that aside, I have to tell you I respect a man who, despite the dangers, cheerfully walks up to total strangers, swallows his pride, and begs! She paused for a moment, as if a thought had just occurred to her, and then... That settles it! I won't even ask it! I'm simply going to insist you accept this basket of eggs! Herschel was stunned. Delighted, to be sure, but stunned. He was dying to ask her why the sudden change of heart, but was afraid the question might upset her and that she would take back the eggs. His fears, however, were for nothing, because the Rebetzin, as it turns out, was actually quite eager to discuss her remarkable transformation. Let me tell you exactly what inspired the sudden change That's given my life new meaning these past few days It wasn't a dream, it wasn't a vision And it certainly wasn't some conscious decision to alter my ways And you know what's strange? It happened right here in my own front yard and it caught me completely off guard. And just to be clear, when referring to her front yard, she was not speaking metaphorically. It was the chickens. As God's my witness, you don't believe me. I get it. It's crazy. And yet it is true. Nonetheless, 
let me explain. I'd gone out to feed them breakfast, like I do each day. And of course they heard me coming, and came waddling my way. I tossed them some corn, they pecked at the ground. Then without any warning, I suddenly found myself weeping, weeping. For they seemed so fragile and helpless, yet precious as can be. And I saw right then how utterly dependent they were on me. Of course, the moral, as you might guess, is that all of us are chickens, more or less. Some of us are waddlers, some of us walk, some of us are cluckers, some talk, but all of us are fragile and need tending now and then. If not kernels of corn, then maybe manna from heaven. Some of us see chickens and our faith slips away. I see the chickens and feel the urge to That evening at dinner, the rabbi and his wife sat silently across from each other as the rabbi finished his meal. And that's when it happened. Mendel, would you like some more soup? What was that? Rivka, did you say something? Are you speaking to me? Well, of course I'm speaking to you. How else would I ever get an answer to my question? The rabbi was overjoyed. This was the moment he had longed for. Actually, before you answer, there are a few issues we need to address. Deep down, maybe the rabbi wished his wife weren't so brusque and bossy, but mostly he was just happy things had finally returned to normal. And besides, just because someone turns over a new leaf in life doesn't mean she's a completely different person. So, first of all, please tuck in your shirt. Why must you look like a slob? Neatness is important. Why won't you take that to heart? Just because you don't have a job doesn't mean you have to look the part. You're absolutely right. It will never happen again. And another thing, please take off your shoes. When you come in the house, you're tracking mud and dirt everywhere. And there are too many things I to do to constantly be cleaning up after you. I understand completely. And speaking of jobs, I spoke to Moish the milkman yesterday. He's looking for a helper. Don't raise your eyebrows. He needs someone right away to help him with the cows. I told him you love cows. You told him what? He said, and I quote, that's fantastic. So when you go see him about the job, 
Try to look enthusiastic. In the past, he probably would have argued with her, but not this time. He was too happy, and the last thing he wanted was to break the spell by starting a fight. And another thing. The rabbi braced himself for her next barrage, but to his surprise, she suddenly grew more subdued and pensive, even a bit nervous. There might have been moments in the past when unbeknownst to me, I may have come across as cold or insensitive or chided you too harshly. And if that's all, I just wanted you to know. Oh, never mind. What? What is it you're trying to say? I suppose there were moments now and then when I'd get upset and like a fool insist on saying something cruel that I'd soon regret for it made you wince and caused you pain and ever since I knew someday I'd have to explain myself and so I just wanted you to know Rivkala, it's okay. You don't have to explain. No, it's important. I know I wasn't the greatest Rebbitson. I wasn't the perfect wife. I could have been less demanding and a lot more understanding, I'll admit. And so, I just wanted you to know I'm sorry I'm truly sorry There I said it Come to think of it I think I will have that second helping From that day on, everyone, it seemed, had something to say about this curious tale of the rabbi and his wife. Some said it was proof of heaven's direct intervention into human affairs, since clearly the Holy One, blessed be he, intentionally caused the rabbi to lose his faith, knowing that that would ultimately lead to the Rebetzin's redemption. Of course, others insisted that the rabbi's loss of faith occurred under his own free will, since the Almighty would never rob someone of his faith, even for a worthy purpose. And still others, somewhat less theologically inclined, sided with the Rebetzin, claiming it was all on account of the chickens. In any case, life remained a struggle for the two of them, but he reluctantly learned to milk cows, she sold eggs from time to time, and somehow they managed to scrape by. The rabbi never did rediscover his faith, though occasionally he wondered if on some cosmic level, maybe his wife's newfound fervor somehow compensated for his lapse. Who knows? All that's certain is that life for them really had pretty much returned to normal. Owen Mendel, another thing. Yes, dear? Stop! 
slurping your soup.